This is an ASCII Live media production for the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles official podcast channel. G'day, Steve Menzies here, and this is the Seagulls Business Podcast, hosted by Seagulls Commercial Manager Ben Brody and Chief Commercial Officer Luke Tucker. Each week, Ben and Luke will be joined by Seagulls corporate partners and other special guests to chat about all things business. And of course, a bit of footy. The Seagulls Business Podcast is proudly presented by Manly Media Partner, ASCII Live Media. Now, let's get down to business. Thank you, Beaver, and hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Seagulls Business Podcast, proudly presented by our media partner, ASCII Live Media. I'm Ben Brody, Commercial Manager at the Manly Seagulls, and I'm joined by my co-host and Chief Commercial Officer of the Seagulls, Luke Tucker. Welcome, Luke. Hey, Ben. Good to be here. Good to be here, indeed. Gives me great pleasure to introduce our guest for today, welcoming the Managing Director of Sarif Strata, Norman Sarif. Morning, Norman. Morning, Ben. Luke. How's things, mate? We welcome you as a sponsor to the club here in 2020. It's been an interesting and exciting ride already, which is normally the case for rugby league sponsorship. And we will get to that, but I'd like to find out a little bit more about the man behind Sarif Strata and then a bit more about the company Sarif Strata. So Norm, can we go all the way back to when it all started as a kid? When was it that you first wanted to get into real estate or the real estate biz? And can you pinpoint a moment when that was? Funny you ask, I can actually pinpoint a moment. And my parents had some real estate agents come over so that they could put their house on the market. And in came these guys with suits, nice cars. They presented well. And I thought, yeah, I think I could do that when I got, when I got older. So I think from a very young age, I, I thought that's what, that's, this is for me. Nice. It must have been, they must be nice suits if that was the thing that got you. It would have been in the very early 80s, so I'm not sure they'd be nice now. But <laughs> they would have been loose-fitting loose suits, <laughs> I imagine. At, at, the, at the time, I was, just, I, was, I was in awe at these people. Yeah, terrific. So tell us where you grew up, uh, New South Wales boy, I presume. Yeah, Lewisham. Um, Lewisham went to St. Thomas's at Lewisham. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was in the heart of Tiger Territory which uh, I'm not sure I'm allowed to admit on, on this podcast, but I'm, I'm a West Tiger, well, Balmain supporter. So I'm a Balmain fan from way back. Uh, grew up at Lewisham. We were there for, till I was about 21. And then we moved to the St. George area where I started to, to work and where the office was opened. And we've been in the St. George area ever since. Okay. So going back, can you remember your first moment of rugby league? I'd imagine being a Tiger supporter, that 89... 88 we're grand finals. To, ben, we're, we are not allowed to discuss 1988 or 89. So those years don't exist. We will move on. Thank we you. We will move on to 2005. No, we'll, we'll go back to 2001 when you move into uh, your new business. Actually, let's, let's rewind it a little bit because I do know something about you, that you were a hardworking student. You did have an interest in the real estate business. You were stocking shelves. Uh, of a weekend at a grocery store, but still decided that in your final year at school, you wanted to take up a a real estate course at uh, night school at TAFE. What drove you to make such a mature decision at such a young age? Firstly, uh, Ben, I commend you for your, um, looking back into my history, but uh, (laughs) 
Stalker. Yep, yep. <laughs> I'm not sure where you even find that information, but anyway, I'll worry about that later. Um, I was working at Coles, I think I was 14 or 15 or whatever the legal age was back then. And then when I got to year 12, for some reason, I thought I wanted to get one up on, on everybody else. So I started the real estate TAFE course while I was doing my HSC. So I would rock up to TAFE at night in my school uniform when I would walk in there. I mean, we had guys that were actually working in the industry or, you know, some of the older guys and they'd be looking at this 17 year old kid on his pea plates in his school uniform thinking, what the hell is this kid thinking? Um, finish. And then I would finish TAFE at, I think it was nine o'clock and then head to Woolworths at 10 o'clock to stack the shelves till 2am and then back to school in the morning. So wow, I look back now and I think complete madness, but at the time it was just... I thought I'd get a head start. Well, well I, don't, I don't think that um, that timeline has stopped now because the, the time that I get emails and, and phone calls and messages and that from you, it's I, I often think to myself, does this bloke sleep or what? But that's obviously the work ethic that you had from a young age. 2.30 a.m. start, but you're not too bad yourself, Luke. You, <laughs> was, you respond pretty quickly yourself. It's turned into however. a bit of competition. <laughs> no, <laughs> it, it, it's, Last it's one to email, on first yeah. one to email. Uh, it, it's, it's funny you say that, and Luke, you touched on it. It's the work ethic. Uh, with a number of the podcasts we have done already, it seems to be um, uh, a theme among a lot of our successful guests is that uh, drive to work as hard as you can. And it started from an early age doing some of the jobs that, you know, aren't as exciting and as, um, you know, driven as, as, as you probably want, but that, that gets you where you are today. So no doubt, you had that at an early age and it's driven you to where you are right now. Yeah, very, very, very much the case. I mean, you, you can't be a rocket scientist at 16 years old. So you take what you can get, got a job at Coles and was taking the shows and then at Woolworths. You talk about success. It's, I mean, how do you define success? I mean, each individual defines it differently. I mean, I define success. A lot of our organization has been together since day one. My partner, Peter Love, and I have been together since 1992. You know, we've got Annette Pierce. She started with us in 95 at 17 years old. I'm not going to tell you her age on, on podcast. She'll kill me, but mm. uh, you work it out. She's still with us today. Angela's still, still with us today. So the, the core group has been together for 25 years. It's not even really a work environment. So success, I mean, depends on how you define it. I think our success is going to work every morning with our family. Mm. And, and when I say family, we've grown up with these people. And we're still together and we socialize together and we go out together and, and we're just there for each other. And it's, it's a nice culture. It appears you put a lot of value on relationships, which is, you know, paramount in any industry and, and any successful business because you need to work together, not, you know, as I believe you've been quoted before, people don't work for me, they work with me. Uh, that's, that's a great mantra to have. Uh, no, ben, ben, sorry, where have you been stalking? I, uh, I, I take this very seriously. Wow. I make sure that I know the backstory of everyone and, um, very I, impressive. You're wasting your talents. Uh, this is his, uh, this is his sales skills rolling over. <laughs> yeah, Sometimes if we, we know an industry or a, a partner that we want to get to, to, to introduce manly partnership opportunities, 
I'll have a look around, try and find the right person. And then if I hit a bit of a brick wall, I just go, Ben, here's a, it's like, give him a bone and he'll go and find it. And then he'll come back and I'll say, I only wanted the mobile number, but he'll have their family history and well, you'll know well, everything about them. You're, you're one to talk, mate. I've never seen emails as long as yours. <laughs> I've never seen you're still reading one of them, mate. I, I just read the first sentence and I call you. Hey, they work though. They work. Well, yeah, they work for the first sentence because <laughs> they get me to call you. <laughs> Very true. Uh, yeah. So as far as relationships are concerned, the real estate business, in, you know, it's it's huge, no doubt. So you say you started your own business as a 21-year-old. That's That seems very young yet again. Well, I started working uh, in real estate when I was, since I finished year 12, when mm -hmm. I was still 17. I was there for a couple of years, then went somewhere else for a couple of years and then ended up opening an office with my first boss when I was 21. So that's how that came about. It seems young now, but back then, I guess... It was, pardon the pun, the norm. I mean, a lot of things happened earlier back in the old, the, the olden days. I'll, I'll call them, you blokes are still young, so you don't realise that. But um, it was 1990 when I started. We opened the first office in 95. So, yeah, I don't think I turned 22 by then. So how was that? I mean, you obviously had your, your partner there who was a bit more experienced and would have guided you along the way. No doubt you would have seen him as a mentor, but it's, it's pretty raw coming in at, at that age. How did you manage? Can you tell us a little bit about your experiences and dealing with clients, customers, however, whatever you want to say, and the attitude they took to you as no doubt being significantly junior in years compared to them? That's a good question looking back now, because if I was dealing with a 17 or 18 year old today who was trying to sell me a property, I would almost laugh. I didn't encounter too much or too many issues back then. Funny story, my first job was at Cogra, which is, as I said, we ended up moving out there, but being a Lewisham boy and being an inner West boy, I needed a street directory to get to Cogra. Didn't know where it was. So I rocked up for the, for the job interview and never having been to Cogra in my life, got the job, started working with a very experienced group of men, I should say. And um, I guess a lot of the work ethic also came from watching them because they were older and they worked hard. They were there when I was there and... They were there when I left and, and I took a lot away from that. I sort of carry that into the business we have now. We've, we've got you know kids that work for us and whatnot. And um, I make sure that I'm there when they're there and they know that I'm on 24-7. They don't feel like they're carrying the can. They know that I would do whatever they do and some. So they have a certain bar they got to meet, but it's only because I'm meeting that bar as well. I remember one Easter, uh, I think it was the first year, they gave us the Easter break off. The Saturday, so you had the Good Friday, the Saturday, and then Easter Monday, and they said, you know, everybody can have the Saturday off. And I was, whatever, 17, 18 years old, what was I going to do on a Saturday? So I've come into the office, and when I walked in, the boss was there. So he says, what are you doing here? And I said, well, same thing you're doing here. Well, what else am I going to do? And then one after the other, basically the whole staff came in. That was the culture that it festered, because everybody thought, no, I'm going to go to work. So I learned a lot from that. I carried that through to today. I, I feel my mate over here, Luke, is getting a little bit excited about that story because that's exactly what I want to go work at South Strata. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so sorry, sorry, sorry. Can I say something? Yes. His emails need to be cut down by 95% okay. if he's going to work at South Strata. <laughs> okay. Because when you get four or 500 a day, you can't read his emails. We, we, we can work on that. Okay. We can talk about just pulling everything back. One line. <laughs> Um, seven, seven dot points you gave me. You said, I'm, got, I'm allowed to fit it in. Was if it I can seven? fit it in seven dot points, I'm good. You must have got me on a good day, Luke. You must have got me on a good day, seven. 
<laughs> like poor Peter can't even get two in. <laughs> um, so we we were talking about the fact that you started in real estate. You moved into Strata, I believe, through uh, your brother who was working in Strata at the time and uh, gave you the impetus to move into there that industry. Can you tell us a little bit about that change leading into where Saraf Strata is today? Forget Luke coming to work for Saraf Strata. I want Ben Brody working for Saraf Strata. <laughs> It'll be a Saraf Strata uh, podcast Ooh. happening in no time. Wow. Right? Let's change it up. Um, I'll tell you how all that came about. Uh, Peter and I were doing were, real, were doing the real estate, the Saraf, the Saraf real estate. And, and John, my brother, had always been a Strata manager. So he was working over at Ashfield and had his own office at Ashfield. And, um, eventually the, the plan was to hook up, not when we did, but in the latter years, shall call of our lives, we, we combined the businesses and, um, well, late 2015, I think it was 2016, John lived out at Oatley as well and got sick of the travel and Peter and I were doing real estate and, and some development Did John come over and you start the strata department, we'll run the real estate office and we'll just go from there. And I think about three weeks after that happened, I'd never saw the real estate office again and never saw the development side again. Uh, the, the business just, it was just 24, seven, 365 strata. So all the other businesses faded into oblivion once the strata started. Sounds to me like no matter what part of the business you focused on, when you guys come together, it was always going to happen. You mm. could have been doing anything really. Oh, but The chemistry is good. John's very anal in the way he approaches things. Peter's very placid in the way he approaches things. And I don't sleep. So it's a hundred miles an hour. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm on 3000 miles an hour and they're trying to, they're always trying to catch up and keep up. So it's, it's, it's a good chemistry. One's my brother and the other one's been my business partner for 30 years. So there's the trust is, there's no issue there. There's no, um, infighting. There's no, the, the three of us are brothers. So which then flows through the staff. Which, it sounds it's exactly like. right. Flows through the staff. And as I said, most of the staff have been with us for a while. And even the new ones that have come on, they've come on and haven't left, you know, I picture them being there forever as well. So um, they, they see that the leadership group is literally a family and they take comfort from that. Once you prove yourself at Saraf Strata, then you get the opportunity to become a shareholder. They, they're all in, invested into the business. All they need to do is prove that they work hard and they've got a good work, work ethic and they, they become part of the journey. Amazing. And, you know, let, oh, and as you hear in the background, it is the halftime siren that went very quickly and some great insights from, from Norm there. I do, I do have a lot more to ask about in the second half. We want to delve a little bit deeper into your charity work and then get into the thick of your rugby league sponsorships across clubs within the NRL. In the time being though, uh, we will take a quick break, hear from our sponsors, and we'll be back for the second half of our chat with Norman Sarif. Looking for the very best in strata management services? You need to speak with the team at Saraf Strata today. Call 1300 or head to sarafstrata.com.au. Saraf Strata is a proud senior partner of the Manly Warringah Seagulls. Okay, we're back for our second half of our chat today with Norman Sarif. Norman, uh, you touched on the fact that what makes you successful or people successful, and we talked about relationships and all the rest, and you've got a successful business, but it's more than that overall in life in general. I'd really like to hear more about your work with Camp Quality. If I can ask a difficult question, 
I believe it's because you had a bit of a scare yourself. Can you touch on that and then tell us a little bit about uh, what you've done with the charity in your time? Sure. Um, back in 2004, I was having some strange feelings and some apparently I'd, I'd have had a couple of fits. So um, we went to the doctor, we did some tests and they did an MRI and, and they, they, they found something up there in my brain. I was surprised that they found a brain, but I was happy about that. Anyway, cut a long story short, they operated, they took it out, turned out to be something that I think I was born with or something or other that had grown or, and it affected some of my uh, faculties. But um, I'd had a nine-year-old daughter at the time. It was quite a scary period. You, you know, you've got a nine-year-old child. I've told you there's something in your brain. We've got to cut it out. They give you all the risks. Thankfully, it all went well. Fast forward a few years. When we launched the Strata business in early 16, I decided that we would start a program called Lots for Laughter, and we donated a portion of our fee to Camp Quality. And I chose Camp Quality because they not only support kids with cancer, but they support kids that have parents with cancer. Not a lot of people know that. So um, I thought, had I known at the time when my daughter was nine, it would have been nice for her to be able to go somewhere and sit with other kids that were going through a similar experience and, and I thought it would be a good thing to do. So um, we called them up and it was literally over the phone and I said, this is what I'd like to do. I'd like to raise a million dollars for Camp Quality. Subsequent to that, and I'm fast forwarding a bit, about two years into it, I found out that when the staff came out to see me from Camp Quality, they made sure they brought two people with them because they thought I was some serial killer because it wasn't <laughs> every day they had somebody call up and say, we, I want to raise a million dollars for you guys. So I think they did a bit of stalking like you do, Ben. They started Googling who I was and what I was on about, but they were terrific from the start. We held a big opening of the Seraph Strata office and a fundraiser on the same night. And I think that was in May of 2016. Uh, we raised, I think, $400,000 that night. And I got up and I said, well, we're going to raise a million dollars and we're going to try and do it in the next five years. It took us about three and we handed over a check for a million and fifteen thousand dollars well, I didn't hand it over. Rob Janoff, who designed the Apple logo, handed it over um, in December of last year. So we're quite proud of that. It was, it was a big effort. You look back now and you think when you're in the midst of it, it doesn't sort of resonate as to how difficult it is, and especially in these days. So we're quite proud right. of that. Incredible. You must be. So for the philanthropic listeners who are out there who have the means to support people when they're going through some of the toughest times. It's incredible what you've done. And for the people listening out there, can you just say what it means to you? So to give some kind of inspiration for people who can provide for people who are going through the toughest times of their lives. Um, it's very hard to tell other people what you, what to do and what not to do. Because I experienced what I experienced, I guess I had a little bit more passion than most would because I had the means and the access to the right people. I didn't raise this, I, I didn't raise this money on my own. I tapped on a lot of our friends and a lot of our clients and a lot of our partners. And basically whoever I met, I uh, asked to support us. And a lot of them were really, really good. What we would do is once a year, we would go to Luna Park, which is where they would have their annual Christmas party for all the kids. I came up with the idea that we invite the people that donated, like the, you know, the substantial donors to these events, because 
I mean, like most people, everybody gets hit for, for a charity, you know, can you donate to this? Can you donate to that? Well, at some point going, oh, look, I did this last week and I did this a month before and I, look, I, I, just, I just can't. So I asked Camp Quality in, in our first year, I think it was, can I bring some of the donors to the event? Because I want them to see a face. I want them to see the kids. I want them to see what they're donating, where it's actually physically going and put a human touch on it. And uh, the, the first one was at Luna Park. And we had probably 40 of our donors turn up and like all the kids and their families were there and they would go up and they would thank everybody. And like, I've got goosebumps just telling you the story. Mm. So, you know, they would go up and they would thank people and they would all come up and thank me. And, and I'd be thinking, you're thanking me. Like you're going through the most difficult time in your lives. All we're doing is writing a check or, or you know, pressing you know, BSB and ACC on, on a number or giving you a credit card. And we were moving on with our lives, but you guys are dealing with this all day, every day, and you're thanking me. So I thought we were the lucky ones to be able to contribute to them. And um, it was, it worked well because the following year we, we would have a, a Christmas appeal and that's how we raised the money. So the following year, it was easier to tap somebody because they had seen what had happened the previous year because they were there um, and everybody would get an invite. So it wasn't that hard to get money out of people yearly because they were able to put a face in a and a name and they would get a thank you card and we would ensure that they were recognized not so much with a plaque or a, or a piece of paper or a receipt or a tax deduction, but with a story from little John or, you know, little Mary or, you know, and, and they could resonate with that. So it wasn't hard to get money out of them um, for the following year. The reason we had Rob Janoff, the Apple designer, and that's, and that's a, that's a nice story too. How he got involved was in one of my 2.30 a.m. starts after reading a Luke email, Luke's gone pretty quiet now. <laughs> I'm uh, writing emails over here. Oh, sorry, <laughs> there you go. I, I stumbled across on the internet that Rob Janoff was basically getting back into designing logos. And Apple are my hero company because of the way they operate and the way they sell their product. And, you know, they're, they're the classic people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. They do it because you can feel the love they have in their product. So they had a, a competition. They were giving five free logos. Well, Rob Janoff was going to provide five free logos around the world. Put your story in. So I thought, okay, it's 2.30 in the morning. There's nothing else to do. I finished reading Luke's emails. So I, I applied as such, told them our story. A couple of weeks later, we got an email back saying you've made the finals. Wow. And I thought, you know, this can't be spam. How would they know that I sent this email? And it was just a one-liner that just said you'd made the finals. <laughs> that, and you were yeah, like, that's right. It was, it, 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 it that's all I need. It wasn't a Luke, like Luke, Luke email. Full stop. Yeah. I replied and searched and I went, okay, great. And they said, well, you've made the finals. And I thought, okay, wow. And then two, three weeks later, they wrote back and they said, we've awarded the five. Unfortunately, you came in at seventh, but we don't want you to feel too disheartened. It was one company that had found a breakthrough in cancer research and it was one company that had invented something or other and massive companies around sure. the world. And we're just the, you know, in the back of Oatly at, at this time. You know what I mean? So I thought that's great. And they then said, Rob's read your story and he really wants to work with you. And I'm thinking, yeah, of course he does. I'm wondering how much he wants to do a, a logo. Of course he wants to work with me because I'm thinking it's Rob Janoff. It's the actual physical guy that did the Apple logo for Steve Jobs. I mean, this guy's world famous. So I wrote back and a couple of discussions and we ended up coming to an agreement, which I thought was very reasonable. And he then wrote to me and said that um, he was inspired by our story of raising money for children's charities because his father had died of cancer and he was happy to help. So Rob Janoff ended up personally designing our logo. And it was basically on the back of us doing what we were doing for Camp Quality, which made him so interested in our company. So we kept in touch and he's a lovely, lovely man. 
And when we got to the million dollar figure in last December, when we were going to hand over the check, I thought, I wonder if he's ever been to Australia. So I rang him up and I spoke to him and I said, uh, ever been to Australia? And he said, no. I said, well, are you free on the 1st of December? Because I'll fly you out. We're going to hand over this check. And because you had some part of it, I'd like you to be there. So he flew out to Australia. He spent a week with us. We took him to the Apple store. You know, we got some photos of, with him and like, I'm walking into the Apple store and I'm feeling like 30 foot tall. I'm going and a lot, to, of, a lot of those customers wouldn't even know no who he idea, is. Or, I know to, his logo. I've gone, sure. I've gone to the management and said, like, I've got the guy with me that has drawn that logo. Like he's here. Like, and, and, and some of the staff are in awe. Mm. Like, like you know, this guy designed the Apple logo and he's here in our store. And um, so, you know, he took some photos. He turned up to the Lunar Park event in December. He handed over his check. I put him on the spot. I thanked him for coming. And I said, I've just got one question to ask you. You've worked with Steve Jobs and you've worked with Norman Sarif. <laughs> Who's the better businessman? And without question, he said, you. And I said, good answer. Good answer, Robert. I Actually, absolutely love a good logo story. And that's probably one of the best ones I've heard. So. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a really good story. And um, we, we love our logo. I mean, we, we, mm. we're very proud of our logo. A, because he did it. B, because we love our company. But the way it came about, it's a fairy tale. I mean, the guy who did the Apple logo did our logo. So it's and now that logo, fast forward now, and that logo is now on the back of um, NRL jerseys that are now being broadcast worldwide. And Correct. Which is something that as NRL teams, we were obviously very much Australian market. Um, your sponsorships were, were done targeting the Australian market and now you're worldwide as well. So. Well, yeah. No major sports are being played over, around the world. So I think NRL will have a good following over the next several months if everything goes well. And, I think I'll have a lot of international um, viewers and uh, we'll be on a couple of the jerseys. So we're, we're quite, quite happy with that. Absolutely. And let's, let's talk about that, Norman. So let's, let's go into the sponsorship model that you basically, again, being an entrepreneur, decided to move forward with the sponsorship of a number of the NRL team's mascots. So you started with the coach sponsorship of the Tigers. Let's say how good your research is here, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that was linked to a charity involvement too, wasn't it, with Madge Maguire? Luke is very good. There there you go. Go. I've done some research. There you go. You read the, you read the story yesterday. <laughs> that's why. So you started there and then you got involved with a, numer uh, a few other clubs and we don't need to go into who those clubs are, but um, you will- Is that, is, is that why? Because they're, they're not manly? That's that's one. Fair but, enough. You okay. know, we've- if we've got a <laughs> too many, too many finite to go amount of time, we want to stick with the the greatest team of all. Uh, you move to the mascot sponsorship for a, for a number of clubs, and fans will be able to see that uh, throughout games this season, as well as on social media and on, of course, the Sarif Strata Facebook and LinkedIn pages. Go there now uh, while you're listening to this podcast and, and Instagram and Instagram, of course. What was what what was it about the mascots that you thought, okay, this is what I'm gonna target and this is the best way to get our brand out there within the NRL? Well, we started with sponsoring uh, Michael Maguire, the, the coach's box last year at the Tigers. Luke was right. Uh, Madge offered to help us raise money for, for charity and he's one of the best humans you'll ever meet. So uh, I was very appreciative of that. So when he became the Tigers coach and I'm a Tigers supporter, I thought I'd like to support the Tigers and I'd like to get our brand out there. So it's a perfect match. So we, we hooked up with the Tigers and sponsored the, the coach's box, which gave us quite a lot of exposure. And I was happy with that. So I thought maybe we'll look into doing another club, you know, maybe another coach's box or, or something. And I got in touch with several of the clubs. One of them came out. He was going through what they had. When I saw the mascot, I thought, 
that's better than LED. That's better than a bolster, in my opinion. There's nothing personal about that. The mascot takes pictures with the fans. He interacts with the fans. Every week is a new picture. Every week is a new adventure. I'll dip my toe in the water with, with a mascot. So we did that. And then I rang an, another club. Is your mascot available? Yeah. And then another club and then another club and then another club. You know, within like a, a week and a half, we'd signed up seven of the mascots. And I think it was you, Ben, that called me from some NRL event and uh, was either you or one of, one, one of them and uh, said, you're pretty popular around the NRL at the moment. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? He said, oh, one of the guys just said, oh, great. I just got a mascot sponsor today. That's right. Yes. Do you remember yes, that? Yes, I do. Yeah. We'd had a... NRL commercials managers meeting that day. And then the other guy said, well, I got one as well. And I got one as well. And I got one as well. And they all turned out to be you. And I just thought it was hilarious. And, they, and they, I bet you the contracts were signed and the invoices were paid within a second of all those deals being done. <laughs> oh, sometimes it takes three if I'm driving. <laughs> so Very uh, responsible. It's just the way we do business. I, I, I like to give people the comfort of knowing they're going to get paid. And, um, you know, and, and, and we were thankful that that they took us on and it was a lot of fun. And then we moved on to, we're on the Panthers on-field training tee. So I, I slowly moved to apparel and then to the back of the Manly jersey and back of the Cronulla jersey. Yeah, it's been an amazing ride and it's only in its early stages. Uh, Sarah Strata, you will see on the back and front of Igor and Ellie, uh, as well as our two junior mascots, they'll be mingling with the kids and the mum and dads, and as you said, getting photos. These uh, images that will be shared across social media, uh, put up on walls, put behind frames, and Sarah Strata will be there for years to come. And it is. It's, it's a clever way to market your business because, let's face it, Strata services aren't an immediate need for people, but when strata is needed you'll be the brand that they think of first exactly my thoughts as well and the photos on the fridge of the kids with the mascot mum and dad are seeing that logo subconsciously not knowing where it, where it came from who designed it and then as they get to know more about it they when they need those strata services subconsciously they go that's right that photo's been sitting on my fridge for two mm -hmm. years because they don't know anybody else yeah, there's yeah. No, like there's a lot of strata managers don't get me wrong but uh, outside our industry if you went on the streets, you'd be lucky to get three people to be to other than who their strata manager is. Exactly. To be able to name two others. Yeah. Comes on a letterhead every now and then and That's it. Um I have to say we both Ben and I we we love the way that we love the way that you do business to start with. Um but we also love the way that you kind of you look differently at the sponsorships. We're often talking to brands that want to get their brand out there. They want to do something big in the NRL, uh, but they kind of think, Oh no, I'll wait another year, I'll wait another two years they've kind of missed the mark then they've already built their brand in another way by then. But we love that you looked outside the box. You've actually got partners that, that you do business with that you've involved in the sponsorship. And it's a model that Ben and I are constantly telling other brands, like in some industries, there's brands Don't that give away my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, we say to them, like there's some industries where you're spending millions of dollars with other companies that need your, that need your business. You could lead with your brand. And if you're smart about it, you don't have to spend a whole lot to get your brand out there. Exactly right. And when you sent that 16 page email asking me to join Manly, it was just a light bulb moment. And I went, yeah, I think I can do that. And then you guys worked with us together and we done the deal fairly quickly and very quickly. Mm. But I love the way, and I sent that to Ben, when you said that you've got four other businesses that you work with, you're going to kind of chop it up and, and work it out on your side. I just said to Ben, he gets it. 
finally there's one that, yeah. one that gets it. And we've got, and what we find too, and you'd find today, this nice relaxed conversation, we've got partners at Manly that we just, we respect the way they do business. We learn off them at the same time. And then we put that into our business and we love it when there's partners that actually listen to some ideas that we have too and start, start implementing that because we, on the sponsorship side of things, we've seen a lot of them that don't work. And we've picked out little bits that do work. Um, I haven't and... told you, Luke, I've got a patent on that idea, so you have to pay for it. <laughs> Just so you know. Well, we always we'll work used it into, to call work it... it into another deal in the future. <laughs> we always used to call it the chemist warehouse model because that's how they used to run their LED signage across a lot of codes, AFL, NRL, netball, that they would run chemist warehouse branding, then utilize a brand like uh, Zantac or... Nurofen Panadol. Nurofen Panadol. A, a great example of that is that they had the, the Chemist Warehouse brand, and I hope Chemist Warehouse are paying for some promo in this mm -hmm. podcast. They had the Chemist Warehouse branded cushions on 75,000 seats at the NRL Grand Final and 100,000 seats at the, at the MCG for the AFL Grand Final in two weeks. And from what we understand, they didn't pay a cent for that advertising because it was all the little brands that were on the fold-out sleeve and the products inside it. It's great from Chemist Warehouse, and it just matches the way they, they do their advertising. Well, I, guess. So I, didn't, I didn't know that concept, but um, it's, it's smart. Well, essentially what we're saying is one of the biggest businesses in Australia. It used to be their model. It used to be the Chemist Warehouse model. It's now the Sarah Strata model. So you've done well. You've usurped them. Thank you. Keep an eye out for 75,000 <laughs> Sarastrata branded seats. <laughs> exactly. at the He's just giving me an idea. <laughs> I'm off to see Peter Volandis oh, after no. this. You speak of Peter Volandis. Um, I, like, we listen to these radio interviews and his TV interviews and that. And God, it's good to have a, a guy that just follows through with what he says. And he's leading our game. I think that that's kind of your approach too. It's like you go back to those, what you said you were going to do with charity. Yeah, there was hurdles and everything, but you just did it. And there was no question because of your work ethic that it was going to get done. And that's why I like Peter Volandis. No politician, no nonsense. This is what needs to be done. And I watched an interview with him yesterday. My team will confirm. He said something which I live by. Don't tell me why it can't be done. Tell me how it can be done. And I just thought that is exactly and let's just get on and do what it. makes him successful. Yeah. I don't want to hear why things can't be done. Show me how they can be done. I can tell you how they can't be done. I don't need you for that. Tell me how it can be done. And that's why he's got the rugby league to where it is. Well, you would have heard in the background there, the full-time siren and what a great way to finish the podcast here today. We do these podcasts, Luke and I, to get a better insight to our partners and our friends of the club. But our chat today, Norman, has been wonderful. It gives great insight to our, our fans and our members uh, to get a better understanding of the people behind the brands associated with the club. It's been a lot of fun. It's been touching. And um, we wish you all the best moving forward with your business, with your uh, charity uh, involvement, and, of course, with your brand-new sparkling partnership with the Manly Sea Eagles. Thank you very much, Ben. Luke, it's been a pleasure, and I look forward to a long, fruitful relationship with the Manly Eagles. Sounds great. This has been the Seagulls Business Podcast, presented by and recorded in the studios of Manly Media Partner, ASCII Live Media. You can follow the Seagulls on LinkedIn. For more episodes and other official Seagulls Podcast channel shows, head to seagulls.com.au forward slash podcast.
This has been an ASCII Live Media production for the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles official podcast channel. Thank <laughs> you.